Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello and welcome. It is episode number 15 of Big Talk with Todd and Noah, presented by Xfinity 10G Network. Todd, we were together as everything was unfolding on Sunday. The college football playoff is set, and a lot of people had a lot of opinions, but I will say, because I know that you're a humble guy, so I just, I gotta say it, you nailed it. You walked in when we were that morning, on Sunday morning, we were in uh, Connecticut, and you said, these are going to be the four teams in this order. You were absolutely correct. I thought that Florida State was it was just going to sneak in. I thought it was yeah. going to happen undefeated, 13-0. But Alabama does get that fourth spot. There's a lot to talk about in terms of how they set the playoff. But I guess your initial reactions to how everything unfolded with championship weekend into the playoff selection. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it, it really stinks for Florida State, you know, and I totally get that and I totally get there being upset and the, you know, the uproar that that caused it was unprecedented for an undefeated conference champion to be left out of the, of the college football playoff. However, um, a couple things, you know, the committee's task is not and has never been to select the four most deserving teams. It's right. to select who they feel are the four best teams to represent in the college football playoff. And without Jordan Travis, I'm sorry. I mean, Florida State's defense is still really good, but their offense is suffering without him. And and because of that, I'm not even sure that that Georgia and Ohio State are not better football teams than Florida State right now without Jordan Travis. So a great season, and again, it stinks for them, but I think the committee got it right in terms of the four teams that they did select to play in the playoffs. And, you know, a lot of people probably want to compare and say, well, you know, the first year of the playoffs when Ohio State, you know, they had their third team quarterback, Cardale Jones, and they still got voted in. There's two things to point out about that, that make this, that situation very different than what we saw this weekend with Florida State. Number one, uh, they went to their conference championship game and beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing with yeah. Cardinal Jones, okay? You know, Florida State barely beat Louisville, and it was three to nothing at halftime. It was not a pretty game. It was not a good offensive game. They're running wildcat down the stretch just to kind of end the game with their third-team quarterback. And the other part of that is those days of having quarterback depth like that, like Ohio State had, they're long gone with the portal and NIL. I mean, so there's such a huge drop-off everywhere across the country at the quarterback position. So uh, a very, very different scenario back then as it was now. I do think if Florida State somehow would have like put a real beating on Louisville and looked impressive, they might have gotten that fourth spot. But because they looked the way they did the week before against Florida and they're just kind of 
you know, winning, but not winning in any kind of convincing fashion, it, it got the best of them when it was all said and done. Yeah, you make you make a number of good points. Feels like two things that if things had been different, Florida State would have automatically been in it. Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt, they're in. No, yeah. no questions about it. They're thirteen and zero. They're the the ACC champ. They've beaten LSU. They have beaten Florida. Two SEC teams. They're in. And if they dominate the ACC championship, even without Travis, they're still probably in. If they win that by 35, 42, 49 points, it's a different conversation. So they did control their destiny in some ways and couldn't just go over the top. The only other thing in terms of the devil's advocate side of it with what I think a lot of fans were looking at and were upset with was how the committee explained putting Liberty as their group of five school to be a New Year's Six contestant, essentially. And that was, well, they kept winning. They they were undefeated. They kept winning. Instead of a team like Tulane, who maybe had a stronger case in in just terms of what their team did over the course of the season, Liberty had the the weakest schedule in the entire country, but they won every game. And as a result, they're the the group of five that's being represented in New Year's Six. So I think a lot of people felt frustrated by kind of the inequity between the two. Yeah, and there, there's a good point in that. You know, I think I think it's also the thing that's kind of hard to imagine is, you know, when it all shook out and Florida State was number five, I mean, basically you're left with saying, okay, so Alabama is better than Florida State, but the team that was number one the whole right. season and got beat by Alabama by three points the other night, they're not as good as Florida State. You know, so it's it, – it, there's no perfect way to do it. Next year, hopefully, with a 12-team expanded playoff, you know, I don't think there'll be much as much outcry over teams number 13 and 14, you know, as there are with five and six, the two that are left out. And this is, honestly, this is the first year, I think, that has been that dramatic and that, in some eyes of people, an egregious mistake that, that the committee. But I don't think the committee, they were, they were in trouble either way. Yes. If they choose Florida State and leave both SEC teams out, a conference that has dominated the playoffs since they started, um, you know, that, that would have been an uproar also. Yeah. You know? And so they were in a kind of a no-win situation, I think. Without a doubt. Without, because it, it, you mentioned the Ohio State thing. Even Ohio State in many ways was deserving of being in just for the season that they put together, going to Notre Dame, getting that victory, beating Penn State in the fashion that they did and hanging with with Michigan at the very end of the year, they had a fantastic season again. They easily could have been in that conversation. Obviously, the Georgia thing going from one down to six, there's a lot to be discussed there. You know, if Oregon ends up beating Washington, what does that look like now? You've got two one-loss Pac-12 teams. So there was a lot riding on this weekend. It felt like it delivered in terms of the football on the field, and then it certainly delivered in terms of the drama that the college football playoff selection show Brought. It felt like March Madness in a lot of ways, which was fun. I think fun for the for the sport and for the world of college football. Let's look at these these four teams and the two matchups because the, the first one, the headliner, and you brought this up the other day, and I didn't even think about it until we actually saw it on the screen, that the Rose Bowl is getting two iconic college football programs. Okay. You're getting historic programs, right? You've got Michigan as the number one team. And rightfully, deservedly so, after running through their schedule, winning the Big Ten again, shutting out Iowa in the Big Ten championship. And then you've got Alabama, who we we were almost joking in some ways, like they're going to be there at the end. They're going to 
No, they're, they're actually going to be there at the yeah. end. It feels yeah. like not only are they there, but they're playing their best football. Jalen Milrow has turned into an absolute stud and, and is a big reason why they are winning, along with that stout defense. This matchup just feels like it's going to be an absolute monster in so many ways, and I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, I am too. I mean, it's going to be a classic setting. I mean, two, you know, I'm a I'm an old school guy. I love the classic uniforms. You got two of the most iconic classic uniforms. Yeah. Going to be on the field at the same time as well. Two of the great helmets in college football. And uh, and you know, Michigan this as a Big 10 team, the, you know, the winner normally would go to the Rose Bowl before the playoff era and everything. And it's been a while since Michigan's been to the Rose Bowl. So kind of a double treat for them. And then uh, Alabama, it's, it's going to be a heck of a matchup. And, you know, both quarterbacks are fun to watch. You know, J.J. McCarthy was very efficient. Uh, Iowa's defense did a really nice job limiting big plays and, and making Michigan have to earn everything. But J.J. McCarthy played within himself. He's very efficient, made good decisions. And Milrow, you know, we just kind of watched him grow up all season. And he got better and better. And in that game against Georgia the other night, you know, he wasn't great the whole game, but when they needed him to be at his best in the fourth quarter, their last two possessions, throwing it on one possession, running it a couple times on the other possession, he was outstanding. And so because of his development, you know, that's why Alabama is where they are right now. It really feels eerily similar to Jalen Hurts in a lot of ways where uh, different in terms of the circumstance, but kid gets benched, kid gets better, kid comes back and eventually leads them to an SEC championship. And for Milrow, just how he's handled this season has been remarkable in itself, but his play on the field has been has been awesome. And for Georgia, obviously, to, to miss the college football playoffs, got a hurt, chance for the three-peat goes by the wayside, but another spectacular season for the Dogs, and they've got a lot to be excited about. Uh, Carson Beck got much better as the season yeah. came on as well, and so we'll see what he looks like coming back next season as well. Uh, the 2-3 matchup, so, so it's it's fascinating to see how this all shakes out because Michigan, in theory, gets the toughest matchup because you got to go against the Nick Saban-led team and all the experience that comes with that just from him. And there's the House of Horrors that have been the two years, the last two seasons in the playoff for Michigan. Can they overcome that? Jim Harbaugh's back on the sideline, but there's still a lot of noise surrounding the program. Can you overcome that? So there's all of that in this monster mashup. And then you get this other one where how long have we been asking? Is Texas back? Is Texas back? Is Texas yeah. back? Well, finally, they have their chance to show it. And on the other side, you've got a team that, similar to Florida State in some ways, squeaked their way through to 13-0, got the victory. They, they won fairly convincingly, in my opinion, in just the way they could control the game down the stretch against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. But they had some some nervy finishes over the course of the regular season and deserved that number two ranking. But this is going to be a fascinating matchup to see how both teams and both head coaches handle this type of stage for their programs. Yeah, it's going to be really great. And, you know, you're going to have two high-level quarterbacks in this one as well. Michael Penix Jr. threw for over 300 yards, played very well. Uh, and obviously Quinn Ewers set a, a Big 12 championship game record throwing for over 400 yards and four touchdowns in the first half. Uh, you know, they controlled that game completely, like I think most people thought they would. Uh, the reason Texas, you can say they're back, is not because of the quarterback, not because of their wideouts, but their offense and defensive lines are legit. So they have championship caliber O and D lines now, and that's why they are where they are right now and, and getting ready to play for a potential national championship. 
You mentioned how impressive uh, Washington was in beating Oregon for the second time. They did it in a different fashion. Yeah. You know, that's what was so impressive to me. Yes, it was only a three-point win, just like it was a three-point win in Seattle earlier in the year. But they won the line of scrimmage. I mean, they ran the football right at Oregon's defense. And, you know, Oregon fought back, and credit to them. But but the game never felt like it was out of Washington's control because of their ability to run the football. And, and that was, uh, you know, that's what was impressive. Dylan Johnson, 152 yards on 28 carries to go with Michael Penix Jr. throwing it for over 300. So offensively, you know, credit to their offensive line and the play calling from Kalen DeBoer. I thought, you know, from st- from the start of that game, their offensive plan uh, and getting them the ball out quickly and moving it around and all type attacking different parts of the field and then their ability to run the football. It was a, it was a really brilliant plan by Washington. It's nice that, and obviously, again, the ACC gets left out because there's five power five conferences. One of them in a four-team playoff, in all likelihood, is going to get left out. Some years we've seen, obviously, two of them get left out. But it's nice that in this final year of these power five conferences to have four different representatives. Ironically, obviously, now you look at it, and it's two from the SEC next year and two from the Big Ten next year. And so it it does – kind of prove that point again that those two conferences are going to separate themselves and showcase that they are head and shoulders as the top two in the country. But at least for this year, I was happy to see a Pac-12 team get in. Oh, you know, yeah. happy to, for a conference that is going to completely disintegrate and, and basically turn to dust, for them to, to have the year they did to finish and to have two teams yep. battling that legitimately had playoff shots here and for the Big 12 to get a team that has a legitimate chance to win a national championship before they bolt to a different conference, from a college football standpoint, I at least enjoyed that. And I think it's a good thing for the sport that we have these four teams in there. Yeah, I agree. You know, the, the playoffs started in – this format started in 2014. And that year, Oregon made the college football playoff. There was no Pac-12 the next year. And then the following year, in 2016, Washington was in it lost to Alabama in a semifinal game. And there's been no Pac-12 representative in the playoffs since then. So you're right. I mean, the last year of the Pac-12, a deserving representative from that conference uh, in the the, uh, college football playoff. And uh, it'll be fun to watch. It's always fun. You know, when when TCU and Michigan were new in the playoff, you know, new teams, it's it's nice to see some new blood in in the playoff also. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So now we go to the just outside the four. You've got Georgia and Florida State. They're going to play on New Year's Day, Orange Bowl. You know, I think we're going to have to see who plays for both teams. We're going to have to see what it looks like for both teams. But when we just look at the seasons that both had, and I know that the expectation is so sky high for both, especially Florida State going undefeated this year, but Georgia as well. Their, Their expectation is to win a national championship every year. It's to beat Michigan every year. They didn't achieve either of those goals. There's still a lot of positives to take away from both those programs, certainly from Florida State, for their ability with the expectation and with a lot of the pressure that came with being the class of their conference to run through and still remain undefeated after losing your star player. They deserve a ton of respect. And for for uh, Georgia here, um, excuse me, I know I was talking about Ohio State. For Georgia in the SEC, a chance for the three-peat goes by the wayside, sure, but Carson Beck improved as your starting quarterback, and now you can kind of keep that momentum rolling from what you've done these last couple of seasons. And Kirby Smart 
it's a well-oiled machine in a lot of ways, and you feel like they're just going to go right back to the drawing board and reload and, and retool a little bit in a new-look SEC, but still a lot of positives, at least from my vantage point, to take away for both those schools. Well, yeah, I mean, look, Georgia won 29 games in a row, right? I think it was 29 consecutive games in the league that they've won, or, or overall, back-to-back, you know, national champions, and three points shy of, of being in the playoffs again. Um you know, it's the the sad thing for them is I don't think two of their most explosive and best weapons on offense were 100% healthy. Lad McConkey was kind of playing on one leg, and so was Brock Bauer. And not to take anything away from Alabama, but they needed those guys to be at their best, and they weren't 100% healthy, and they still almost found a way to come back and win the game. So, uh, you know, those guys will have a, a month to get healthier, you know, assuming they play. And like you said, we've got to see who's going to actually play in the game. Um, but still a chance for Georgia to to make a point that they're one of the best teams in college football. You know, for Florida State, unfortunately, they'll have some time off to get healthy. Not enough time for Jordan Travis to get healthy. So they're still going to be undermanned at the quarterback position, whether it's Rodemaker, whether it's Glenn, whoever it is, going against a really good Georgia defense. So uh, it, it'll be tough sledding for them in that ball game on the offensive side. So as I, you know, this is big talk, so it's only right that I have big 10 on the mind. Let's actually get to Ohio state here. So they, they finished seventh in the college football playoff ranking, the final college football playoff ranking. They'll take on Missouri in the cotton bowl. That's December 29th. And Eli Drinkwitz had some interesting quotes as he was being interviewed. Let's just say we don't have to even say what they are. You can find them online if yeah. you want. So he's being interviewed after this was uh, released. Kyle McCord, however, enter, enters the transfer portal. So your starter for the entire year, who was in a QB competition with Devin Brown coming into the season, wins the job, takes them undefeated till that final week of the season and loses by just one score to Michigan and decides, you know what, I think I'm going to look elsewhere. Now the reports are – Nebraska is the highest on his list. Nebraska has the highest chance of securing his services. That could be an interesting fit. We can get to that in a second. But a little surprising. I know we were both at least taken aback to see the Kyle McCord this quickly enter the transfer portal and, and really decided to leave Ohio State behind. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, some of this stuff makes me scratch my head with the transfer portal. And, again, I think on the surface I agree with it. I think it's good. Um, I think it's positive. But there's a lot of underside to it that that I don't I don't think is great. Um, but I don't have all the information in this. I don't think this is not just a situation. Well, it's certainly not a situation where Kyle McCord is a, is a quarterback like Joe Burrow was when he left Ohio State because he couldn't get on the field. Right. And he wanted to go somewhere to play. He was the starting quarterback. He won the quarterback battle. He was better than Devin Brown, and he went undefeated and played well in a couple big moments, uh, and then. You know, they lost the game to uh, Michigan. You know, not coincidentally, C.J. Stroud, who's lighting up the NFL right now, went 0-2 against Michigan, okay? Um, We don't know all the information. I do know this. I think the Ohio State fan base is as unrealistic and kind of out there as any fan base in college football. And I think the kid has felt a ton of pressure. I think Ryan Day has felt a ton of pressure. So the other reports I was hearing is that the kid and his family, Kyle and his family, wanted an assurance from Ryan Day that he was going to be the guy next year uh, going back. 
And Ryan Day said, well, we're going to have an open competition, whether that means going into the portal and getting someone or what, um, we're going to open up the quarterback job. And so I just think there's so much pressure on that situation, so much pressure on Ryan Day, so much pressure on Kyle McCord. And I think the, I think the kid probably just said, you know what, I, I don't want to deal with this. You know, I mean, I can't, he, he probably felt like he can't win yeah. in that situation. Which I mean, is, it yeah, isn't, it really is impossible, right? Because think about the guys he had to follow. He had <laughs> Justin Fields, who led them very close to a legitimate national championship victory. And now C.J. Stroud, who you mentioned, he's going to run away with the AFC Rookie of the Year, Offensive right. Rookie of the Year in the NFL. He's been unbelievable for the Houston Texans. So you're following those two, not to mention what they had even before that when Ryan Day just took over for Urban Meyer in the middle of the season. Dwayne Haskins was one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country the year he started at Ohio State. So they've had a lineage now in the last couple of of waves and eras. And to your point, Joe Burrow couldn't even get on the field. So we're talking about high-level talent. We're talking about high-level achievement. And Kyle McCord had a, a honestly very productive season for Ohio State. But at the end of the day, and Joshua Perry, who obviously had a fantastic career there, well, led them in tackles the year they won the national championship 2014. He, I, I remember what he said to us earlier in the year, and he, he's right, obviously. He's from the area. He grew up around it. He knows what the expectations like in Columbus. He said that they could have won the national championship last year, which obviously they were, I mean, as close as any team in the country. They were one point shy of beating Georgia, field goal kick away, of beating Georgia, getting the national championship, and a lot of people believe they would have beaten TCU with ease the way that Georgia did. They could have won the national championship, said Joshua, and people still would have looked at the season as somewhat of a failure because they lost to Michigan. So it's just, there's a lot of layers there. There's a weird dynamic there of expectation. And to your point, like Ryan Day has lost, what, seven games in five years? I mean, he's been stupendous. Stupendous. Like, I just don't think people recognize what they have until it's gone. And I'd be curious to see what happens as that situation continues to transpire. But uh, I will be fascinated at who is starting at Ohio State next season. And obviously McCord won't be starting in the the, uh, Cotton Bowl. In all likelihood would be Devin Brown, you would think. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what it all looks like. Missouri, by the way, I, we haven't even touched on them yet. I know we've given them praise throughout the year, but to finish 10-2 and two and a top-10 team in the country, really, really impressive job by Eli Drinkwitz. Yeah, and I think I think a big part of this game is Missouri will look at this as a huge reward, this yeah. game, okay, and a chance to take one more step, build their team more, build everything, and try to make a statement against a perennial power in Ohio State. You know, what will the mindset of Ohio State be? Will there be guys that will decide, you know, maybe more guys to jump in the portal, guys decide they're not going to play in this game because they're going to get ready for the NFL? You know, so I don't know exactly what that Ohio State roster is going to look like uh, going into the Cotton Bowl and don't know what their mindset will be. I'm pretty confident, though, that the Missouri mindset will be, you know, this is a chance for us to take another big step after a great season and build momentum going into next year. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Julian Fleming, by the way, another Ohio State transfer portal name, which was another surprise for a guy who's been there a couple of years, who has made a, a, a name for himself. I mean, he was coming out of high school as highly ranked a wide receiver recruit as there was in the country. 
but he he came up in some big moments this year. Let's think back to that Notre Dame game. Yeah, fourth down. Yeah, Yeah, and by the way, McCord put it in the right spot, but Fleming had to get the extra two yards to keep the drive alive that eventually won the game. And then obviously Abuka makes the big catches. That's the other part about the Ohio State situation. Look, they have unbelievable wide receiver depth. You know, Carnell Tate was a freshman, played some big moments this year and, and made some big plays. He'll ascend to kind of that top spot potentially. He'll bring in some more freshmen. They, they have depth in that position, but you're losing Marvin Harrison Jr. You're probably losing a Buka, and then you're losing now Julian Fleming. That's Those are three big time. And Cade Silver, by the way. That's, that's four big time targets for a quarterback. So interesting situation. All for not right now as we just look ahead to these. Penn State, number 10 on the final college football playoff ranking, taking on Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl on December 30th. I think this is another opportunity for Drew Aller to play in a big game, potentially, and get the feel of a big game and what that's like if he's going to continue to improve as a starter at Penn State. Yeah, this is a very intriguing matchup because you've got one team that is really known this year for how good they are on defense, Penn State. One of the best in the country, you know. In fact, in certain categories, the best in the country. Ole Miss is more known for their offense. You know, Lane Kiffin is a very creative play caller. You know, uh, is is a guy that um, you know get after it and take some chances. He'll go for it on fourth down. He, you know, he's not the most orthodox guy, but they're productive. Now, the two games they played this year, their two losses were against two very very good defensive teams in Alabama and Georgia. They did not play as well against those kind of defenses. So we'll see what, what they come up with. The other thing that's intriguing is um, I know the new offensive coordinator came from Kansas to Penn State. I think it's Kotel Nicky or Kotel Nicky, however you say his name. I think James Franklin wants him to get involved and, and have this time to get the team ready. How much will he change? How much will they put in between now and a bowl game? Um and how much can they absorb as a, as a team? You know, so it'll be very interesting to see what Penn State's offense schematically or philosophically will be like in this bowl game. Will they keep more of what they were doing uh, in the last two weeks? Um, or will they try to infuse some of this new stuff uh, that, that the guy's bringing over from Kansas? You wonder also how much they want to showcase before yeah. next year. You know, how much do they want to show of what they're going to look like, especially if Aller is as expected going to be the starter moving forward? And do they lose anybody into the transfer portal after this bowl game as well? That'll be interesting to look at. But you mentioned number one in total defense in the FBS, just Manny Diaz was, when we talked to him before that that Black Friday game, he was adamant that he felt like, one, his players believe they're the best defense in the country, and more importantly, Chop Robinson is the best defensive player in the Big Ten by a long shot. And I think it's hard to argue when you watch him just how good the dude is. There are a lot of good players in the conference, but he is certainly in that conversation as number one. And then finally, the Fiesta Bowl. So Oregon misses out on the playoff. They go 11-2, and another just sensational year for Dan Lanning in his second year. And Bo Nix, obviously, really put together a stellar campaign. They've got Liberty, 13-0. and Again, the, the weakest schedule in the country. But similar, and... and this is what we're talking about with Ohio State. You know, who's going to play for Oregon? Are they going to have their full arsenal? Liberty is going to treat this like the, the Super Bowl, like the national championship yeah. for them and showcase that they do deserve to be there, especially with all the chatter that's been going on surrounding the, the playoff committee's decision to actually put them in the New Year's Six. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, you know, I, I don't think that they match up very well. I mean, and, 
you know, nothing will take away from Liberty and from going undefeated. It's hard to go undefeated. And they got a pretty exciting quarterback that, that runs around and does some things. And, uh, you know, so Caden uh, Salter's his name. He threw for three, nine, 319 yards, ran for 165, three total touchdowns in their win uh, in the, in the uh, championship game. But um, Oregon is just at a different level. You know, that's why I think from a competitive standpoint, you know, either one of SMU or Tulane probably would have matched up a little bit better with Oregon. Uh, but Oregon is an elite football team, you know, and uh, one more chance for Bo Nix, uh, unless he decides not to play, but one more opportunity for him to play. Congratulations to him also for being named the William Campbell Trophy winner, which is kind of like the academic Heisman. So uh, just a, a what a great final season of yeah. eligibility for Bo Nix uh, wrapping up his time in, in Eugene. So, uh, but again, that's one of those things. You're right. Liberty will come there with the mindset, hey, this is, we're going to be loose. We got nothing to lose. This is awesome for us. We're going to enjoy every moment, play our hearts out and lay it all on the line. And and if Oregon doesn't show up ready to play, it, it could be more interesting than people think. But I just think, you know, over the course of four quarters, Oregon is will be too much for them physically. Hard to argue. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Uh, other Big Ten teams and bowls. Let's start with Iowa. So they get to the Big Ten championship. They win the Big Ten West. It really was a remarkable season in many ways for yeah. Iowa to win 10 games. The, the first team to ever average that few amount of points and win double-digit games in a season. They'll take on Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. That's on New Year's Day. Uh, Iowa faced two ranked opponents this year, Penn State, Michigan, and they lost to both of them by a combined score of 57 nothing. So most of that was because those two do have elite defenses. And in, an, in all likelihood, their defenses are even better than Iowa's, which is some, saying something. Because I think we both agree that the Iowa offense is still elite. Yeah. Even without Cooper DeGene, I think that they proved that. And honestly, they, the defense played well. Against really well. In, really in the well. 10 championship. So they've got a top five defense. Uh, Tennessee does come in and... and it's an SEC school that can put points on the board. So it'll be interesting to see how this matchup plays out. A shout-out to Phil Parker. Deserved recognition, yeah. right? The Royals Award, very deserved. I, I just feels like he could win something like that every year for the job he does on that defensive side at Iowa. 
but but a fun finish to the season for Iowa, and we'll see now what they look like moving forward. Is it bringing Cade McNamara back as their quarterback? Is it trying to find somebody else that fits that? A lot of it's going to depend on what that offensive system is going to look like moving forward, but a, a positive season in many ways for Kirk Ferentz to get another double-digit win. Yeah, absolutely. And if Taylor wins the uh, Ray Guy Award, then it's like the perfect ending for yeah. the season, right? Phil I Perkins was a little bummed he's not a Heisman finalist. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Hunting is winning, Todd. Yeah. But but just a couple things about this defense. You mentioned how well they played against Michigan. They held Michigan to 213 total yards. They had six or four sacks, only 66 yards rushing Michigan had against Iowa in that game. Now, the problem for Iowa, they couldn't do anything on offense, and they turned the ball over three times, you know. And Michigan's got an outstanding defense as well, as we saw in that game. But but Phil Parker, he's been the defensive coordinator there since 2012. He was a secondary coach for 13 years before that. He's the first defensive coach to win the Broyles since Brent Venables did in 2016 when he wow. was a defensive coordinator at Clemson. Now think about this. They were a great defense last year. He lost seven starters off of that defense from a year ago, including two first-round picks and two other All-Americans, all right? And in 13 games this year, they allowed 15 touchdowns, fourth in the country in scoring defense, 13.2 points per game. In the last couple of weeks, he lost his best player, Cooper yeah, DeGene. Not to mention, by the way, not to mention, he, he also is missing at least one, if not two players from the gambling scandal for the right. entire season. That's right. So, so that's incredible. They're starters. They were starters. Yeah. I'll continue. No, it's just, it, you know, they play defense. They're not as, they're not aggressive and attacking and all that like Penn State is. And uh, they're actually a lot more like Ohio State. I mean, they yeah. play more like Ohio State. Don't give up the big plays. Very fundamentally sound. Make you try to, to earn everything. Don't get beat over the top. Really good tacklers, really good fundamentally with their hands and, and footwork and everything. Um, and they're kind of fun to watch on that side of the ball. I think I think one of the most intriguing things to pay attention to in the Big Ten over the next several months is who does Kirk Ferentz hire as an offensive coordinator and what ultimately will that look like? Because if they ever try to if they ever figure it out at all on offense, Iowa will be right up at the top of the heap in the Big Ten. Because their defense will keep them there and keep them in games. Uh, and then the other one is DeAnton Lynn going from UCLA to USC as a defensive coordinator. How much of an impact does he make on the USC defense? Because, again, if USC can get it figured out on defense, they're going to be at the top of the heap, even without Caleb Williams. You know Lincoln Riley is going to have quarterbacks in the pipeline, and they're going to be able to score the, score points. But they got to figure out defense. Iowa's got to figure out offense, and if those two teams do, you, you've got some interesting company at the top of the, of the league. Yeah, could you imagine if you had the Caleb Williams-led offense from USC and combined it with the Phil Parker-led defense <laughs> of Iowa? That would be – it almost feels good. like an unbeat, unbeatable force uh, if you could put those two together. All right, so it'll be interesting. That's, again, on January 1st, Citrus Bowl, number 17, Iowa, number 21, Tennessee. Wisconsin did get their seventh win. So again, 22nd straight season of both bowl eligibility and a winning season. So a shout out to Luke Fickle for finishing strong, winning those last two games. They've got a tough bowl matchup. Yeah, yeah. You got LSU, number 13 team in the country in the Rely Quest Bowl. That's on New Year's Day. And you've got maybe the Heisman favorite potentially, if he does play again. It's right. a, we have to say if. Yeah, don't know. Yeah, You just never know. And, and Jane Daniels could easily decide he's going to sit it out and, and 
just kind of make sure and ensure he's going to be ready for the NFL draft prospect process. We completely understand that. What a season for Jaden Daniels. He's one of the four Heisman finalists, along with Michael Penix, Bo Nix, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, meanwhile, Braylon Allen played well the last couple of games of the season. We were shocked that he played week, what was that, 12? Week 12 against Nebraska. He comes yep. out, and I mean, that was one of the toughest games we've ever seen. Um, but he has declared, <clears throat> excuse me, he has declared for the NFL draft. Tanner Mordecai has come back and played well enough, and really his more his leadership skills have been on display for these last two games to get two victories. Um, and for, for Wisconsin, uh, again, it depends who plays for LSU here. It depends who plays for Wisconsin here. But for Luke Fickle, any game that you can keep getting under your yep. belt and, and understanding what this is all about, Madison, is probably a good thing. Absolutely. It's more practice time. It's like having a second spring football getting ready for a bowl game like this. You get extra practice days. Um, Look, Wisconsin rallied when they needed to, okay? And they won seven games, and they they looked better going down the stretch. Um, LSU, I I do think Jaden Daniels will win the Heisman Trophy. They're the number one offense in college football, averaging 548 yards a game. Same kind of numbers that they had up when Joe Burrow was leading the offense there, right? So, But Jaden Daniels does it more with his legs as well. I mean, he's yeah. a 1,000-yard rusher in addition to throwing it all over the place. But they've not been good on defense. And so because of that, you know, Wisconsin's best chance is to limit the number of times Jaden Daniels gets on the field, running the football, possessing the football, scoring points, because you're going to have to score points. But the, the fewer shots they allow Jaden Daniels to have with the football – the better off the Badgers uh, will have a chance of winning the game. Yeah, I, I'd be I'd be really shocked if Tanner Mordecai isn't starting in this game for Wisconsin. And then for them, they've got to decide what that looks like at that position moving forward. Are they cool with Braden Locke, or do they want to go and look in the portal? It, it'll be interesting with what Phil Longo wants to do, because it does feel like if Wisconsin was healthier this year and Ches Malusi doesn't go down the beginning of the season and Braylon Allen doesn't go down for a couple right. games at the end and right. Tanner Mordecai doesn't miss about half the year, they could have been a legitimate threat to win the Big Ten West. So they were right there, not to say that they could have beaten Michigan or Ohio State or any of those types of programs, but they were certainly good enough to be competitive with all of them, and they have talent on both sides of the football. So it will be interesting, and again, this is getting past this game entirely, but it will be interesting what that quarterback position in particular looks like for Wisconsin next season. Yeah, and you know they get a little bit of a taste of the SEC West playing LSU in this bowl game. And then very early next season in week two, September 14th, they host Alabama in, in Madison. So, um, so that'll be an interesting matchup for them going into next football season as well. If you thought jump around was good, if Ty guy liked jump around before, (laughs) just wait until Alabama is there. Wait, 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 it's a Ty jump around. All right. uh, Let me move on. Northwestern, David Braun, Again, the fact that they won seven games might be the story of the of the college football yeah. season in many ways. Seven and five, they've got Utah, who went eight and four in the Las Vegas Bowl. That's on December twenty third. Uh, for David Braun, you're playing with house money at this point. You know, no one's expecting them to go out there and and probably to win this game. And if they do, it's just another notch in his belt. It's another notch in his resume in this first year as the for most of the season interim head coach, and eventually has now taken over full time. But Another notch just to say, hey, look what we did and look what we can build on now as this Big Ten expands. Yeah, I mean, what a phenomenal season for him and for them. Um, 
you know, they're, they're going to try to build momentum going into next year. I mean, look at it. Northwestern is always going to be, they're one of those programs that's going to have a tougher time in today's landscape of college football. They're not going to have the same kind of NIL opportunities that other schools are going to have, even within their own conference. They're not going to be able to utilize the transfer portal the way other teams can because of the rigorous academic standards that Northwestern has compared to other schools. So, you know, they're against it a little bit. And so the fact that they rallied and won seven games is phenomenal. And, you know, they've got to find how to do it within their niche. And, um, but this is another opportunity in a bowl game against a team that's very similar. You know, Utah is a similar kind of team. They, they pride themselves on being physical, on running the football, stopping the run, not making mistakes to beat themselves. So uh, it'll be a pretty hard-nosed matchup in that bowl game. Minnesota does get a bowl game despite going 5-7. and seven. There weren't enough six-win qualifying teams. So Minnesota, with their graduation rate, gets in there. They ended the season on a four-game losing streak after kind of figuring it out a little bit for P.J. Flex squad. Uh, Bowling Green is who they take on in the Quick Lane Bowl. That's December 26th. Uh, they won the Quick Lane Bowl, did Minnesota, in 2015 and 2018. Look, this is really just more continuation of what P.J. Fleck has done there for a while. They get another postseason opportunity, which means they get some more practice, and I think that's what he's going to be focused on more than anything else. Well, and yeah, he's got to get a new quarterback ready to play in that right. whole game because his starter has decided to enter the the transfer portal. So, so that'll be valuable time for them getting ready for that. The game is the day after Christmas, December 26th. Uh, Bowling Green, Scott Leffler is the head coach there. He's done a nice job. Uh, shout out to BGSU. That's the alma mater of my dad, Ron Blackledge. So nice. He'll be he'll be tuned into that one and pretty excited for the Falcons. That's awesome. Uh, yes, Ethan Kelly McManus is out. We will see who takes over at quarterback for the Quick Lane Bowl and moving forward for Minnesota. Rutgers and Miami Pinstripe Bowl. Usually it is only Syracuse in the Pinstripe Bowl. <laughs> that is not the case this year. It will be the Hurricanes. Rutgers will be their opponent. They get a little bit of the home cooking, so to speak, and their proximity. But Rutgers, look, they, they won the six games. We knew that final stretch of their season was going to be difficult to, to get another, to try to get to seven. They were close. I mean, they, they played Ohio State really well at home. They played Maryland well at the end of the year. They had a couple opportunities. They just couldn't finish enough. Yeah. They couldn't get that seventh win. But still, a bowl season for Greg Schiano, And it feels like built something. Their running game was excellent. Their defense was excellent. They just couldn't throw the ball efficiently right. enough to beat some of those better teams. Yeah, and, you know, they deserve to be in a bowl game. They deserve to have something fun and good to finish their year with. Uh, the best thing they can hope for in this game is that the weather is awful, that it's like <laughs> freezing cold. Because if it's very cold and, and dreary, those Miami guys are not going to be happy when no. they step off the plane or when they step into the stadium there for the pinstripe bowl. So ugly, cold, Northeastern weather uh, will play very much in the favor of Rutgers in this game. Last one in terms of Big Ten teams in bowls, that would be Maryland, who did finish 7-5 with a win at the end of the year. They've got Auburn still probably reeling in some ways from that crushing defeat in the Iron Bowl. Music City Bowl, December 30th. Maryland, disappointing season in a lot of ways. They, they believed, and Mike Loxley believed, that they were going to take that next step to be competitive in the Big Ten East, potentially take a game from a Penn State 
Michigan or Ohio State. They played most of them close. Penn State really got the best of them. Yeah. But really, Michigan and Ohio State, they had opportunities in both of those games. So we saw what the best version of them looks like. And the best version of them is very competitive. I'll be curious if Talia Tungavailoa plays in this game. I would I would imagine he will. I would imagine he's a competitive guy. But you just never know, obviously, with these guys. Uh, but a, a nice way for them to finish the season and potentially still take some momentum now into an expanded conference. Yeah, I mean, Auburn does not have a great record, but make no mistake, they're a, they're a quality SEC team, and they will be a, a very tough opponent for Maryland. I'm a little, you know, Maryland, you mentioned, was a disappointing year. We saw them when it looked like they were going to be really good. They had high expectations. They got some guys hurt. They, they couldn't overcome that. Then they kind of rebounded and played better down the stretch at the end. I mean, really played well against Michigan, you know, in a losing effort. Uh, but now they've lost a couple guys to the portal. That kind of surprises me, too. They're one of their best linebackers, Barham, is in the portal. Corey Deitches, the tight end that they, you know, have has been such a big part of their offense, uh, announced he's going in the portal. So um, it'll be interesting to see what their roster does look like. We've said that about a lot of teams. Yeah. A couple of those moves for a team like Maryland kind of surprised me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Barham especially was was a guy who I think – and I, I'll be curious where he ends up because let's not forget, while they both those guys you mentioned amongst the others that are going to be leaving Maryland have had stellar careers there, have had success there. Chop Robinson started his career at Maryland, goes to Penn State, yeah. and becomes a clear-cut first-round pick. So I can't necessarily fault the kids for – trying to figure out if there's a better spot for them. At the same time, I think we both agree. I think we both would love if we had a kid who played for Mike Loxley. And yeah. he just you, He's genuine. You know exactly where you stand with him. You know what he's all about. He's about all the right things. He's about pouring into the kids. And so it is a little surprising in some ways in that respect, but I have full faith in Lox still being one of the best recruiters in the country to republish yeah. his system on both sides. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Uh, teams in the Big Ten that did not make bowls: Illinois five and seven, Nebraska five and seven, Michigan State and Purdue both four and eight. Indiana now with a new head coach at three and nine. 
they're all teams that are going to be looking for specific things, whether it be in the portal, whether it be in recruiting, whether it be adding to their coaching staffs. But it does feel like, I, you know, the Nebraska thing, I just want to hit on that because I'm, I glazed over it before. So Kyle McCord, as of right now, the rumors that are surrounding him in the portal are that he could be looking or eyeing at least what Northwestern has to offer, or excuse me, Northwestern, what Nebraska has to offer. And I think that would be an, a fascinating fit in so many ways because, what would, I mean, Nebraska, let's just think about this. The way I was looking at it when I saw that was, if you put Kyle McCord as Nebraska starter this year, they go five and seven as was. How many games of those that came down to a couple fumbles, a couple points, a couple interceptions – do they win if Kyle McCord is starting for them? Do they get eight? Do they get nine? Like they were a good enough team if they just had solid or just good enough quarterback play to probably win at least seven games. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, I've seen him do it both ways, you know, and he had to kind of adapt. You know, when they start out with Jeff Sims, they saw him as a dual threat guy. Uh, and then when they went to Harburg, he was more of a fullback playing quarterback. So it was a lot more quarterback run, but he also was the offensive coordinator of South Carolina with Spencer Rattler, who's a drop back passer, you know, more along the lines of Kyle McCord. I would not call McCord a dual threat guy. He can run if he needs to, but he's more of a pocket thrower. So um, it'll be interesting as far as, you know, if he's interested in Nebraska, what they have of all those teams we just mentioned, there's two of them, I think, that are trending upwards more than the other ones. Nebraska is one. Outstanding defensive football team. And their two studs on the inside are both coming back, you know, to, to play and to kind of anchor that defense. So um, really good defense. Tony White, they kept him, their defensive coordinator. They upped his contract to keep him. You know, he he's probably going to be a head coach soon, you know, but they've got him for another year. Um and, you know, the fan base and all of that, and they can run the football. Their offensive line was good. They can run the football. They just got to take care of it better and throw it better. And so a quarterback could maybe go in there and, and help that quite a bit. The other team I think that I, I think will be trending upward next year is Purdue. I think they played better down the stretch. I think I think um, Hudson Card played better uh, down the stretch. He, he had some shaky moments, you know, middle of the season. But I think he played better, and I just think, the second year with that coaching staff, they'll, they'll be a better football team next year, uh, you know, going into 24. You know, Michigan State and Indiana both breaking in new head coaches, and both of them have a lot of work ahead of them. I mean, I think they're both really good coaches, but I think both of those programs have, have a long way to go right now to kind of get their head above water, so to speak. This is, I mean, this is college football in a nutshell. The whole season is fickle, not to not to go full Luke, but it's it's a fickle sport in some ways because two games can completely change the way you look at a season. You know, for Purdue, that first game of the year, they play a, a good Fresno State team and they lose by a score. Right. You know, a game that they played probably close to well enough to win. Even the Syracuse game, they have a couple mistakes that if, if you keep the ball in your hands, they, they gave it away to Syracuse way too many times. That could completely change the game. There were games late in the season. Those were close losses for Purdue. Two of those go the other way. You're 6-6, six and six and you say, all right, you know what? We're bowl eligible in year one to Ryan Walters. He did a great job in his first year of weathering the storm. Let's go out there, finish strong, and, and move into next year. You might say, hey, Hudson Card actually played well in some of these games. He did this and this and this to lead us to win. So 
it's just so interesting how right. quickly things can can shift and the narrative can shift. I'm with you. I'm, I'm curious to see what they look like. I think they built something well. And to your point, they played better towards the, the final stretch of the season. All right, anything else before we get out of here for the final time on the season, on the Bulls, on just life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? <laughs> really get to. No, I mean, I, you know, I'm looking forward to watching the bowl games. Um, you know, I, I'm very excited, even though we're many months away from the kickoff of the 2024 college football season. But the Big Ten is going to be fascinating next year. I've been going through the schedule because I had a couple meetings with some of our programming guys and just looking at all the the additional options that we have for our schedule potentially uh, next year with the addition of Washington, Oregon, USC and UCLA coming into the Big Ten. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun year and a different looking conference and some really, really interesting matchups next year for the conference. I can only quote the great philosopher Bart Scott. Can't wait. (laughs) It'll be good, man. This was fun. I'm glad we got to do this all year and uh, looking forward to, to getting back to it next season. Enjoy all the bowls. Enjoy the college football playoff for the final time with four teams in it. We appreciate you for tuning in to Big Talk with Todd and Noah presented by Xfinity 10G Network all season long. And as always, we'll talk to you next year. Next year. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.